Hello, I'm Craig Constantine. Welcome to the Movers Mindset Podcast, where I talk with movement enthusiasts to find out who they are, what they do, and why they do it. My guest today is Nick Anastasia. Welcome, Nick. Thanks, Craig. Nice to be here. My pleasure. I'm always excited. <laughs> I say that all the time. Um, but as I've been mentioning, I was going to do a, like an old Sesame Street. Today's episode is brought to you by the number six and the letter th- a, you know, <laughs> but as I've been mentioning recently this week, uh, that is to say May 27th through the 29th, this weekend, Nick will be at the move NYC event in Manhattan. Don't fast forward people. That's rude. You should immediately press pause though, and rush to the movementcreative.com. Don't forget the, the at the front, the movementcreative.com to get your event tickets. So there's that. Okay. Now that we've done our homework, we can go play. Uh, Nick, welcome back to the show. You're I, uh, we could make a case to say that you are guest number three. There was one, it was almost a podcast that didn't get recorded that happened in a car way long ago in San Antonio, Texas. Those who were, ne- those who were there know what it was. Uh, but you and I did a Skype call way back when, like 2017. I don't, I actually probably still have it recorded, but anyway, and it was part of my trying to collect people's thoughts and publishing them on a website as writing. That's how Movers Mindset started. Nick knows this. Um, so in a way, it's like, ooh, well, you know, repeat guest. Um, but also you and I have had a chance to talk a lot over the years <clears throat> at various events. Um, and it's always been super fun to see the way you think and how you move. Um, and I, I like to ask people questions before we warm up. And you, we like quickly got to talking about play and talking about how these days, I think I would agree with you. We would probably both say, what do you do? Oh, I play a lot. You know, I would say, I'm a big dumb kid. I don't know about you. Um, and <laughs> Try not I, to say I, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I say it all the time. I have terrible self-talk. I think that when I saw, so your session for Move NYC, eventually I'll pick a direction. Your mm-hmm. session for Move NYC is about underbars. And to me, I was like, oh yeah, that's totally what I expect to see Nick doing. Like you have a very, um, I don't want to say quadrupedal, like that you're always working with four limbs in contact with something, but you have a very, maybe like spider-like, uh, in my opinion, spider-like way of moving where don't be distracted by the fact that it's unusual which limbs are engaged, but the movement is still going to be powerful and flowing. And I'm, I'm wondering if there was a time where like I'm going to call the land of bars suddenly became visible to you. Like in the beginning, people start jumping on stuff and they're jumping on stuff where they're running from point A to point B. And I'm just wondering if there are any first memories where you got exposed to bars or playground sets or like, what was that first glimpse of the, the fertile Valley beyond of new space? Uh, all right. There's a, there's a curveball. Uh, so, I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, you're, you're totally right that, that it's funny that like there are so many people in the parkour space that end up being attracted to bars and swinging um when like parkour is such a like developed in the outside in the urban jungle whatever um and you know i guess if you do that training like in manhattan or in a big city where there is scaffolding everywhere then you have bars but like I certainly didn't start like I started training in suburbia where like, you know, very much jumping on concrete walls and ledges and, you know, maybe a handrail every so often, but there wasn't a lot of stuff to swing on. Um, but once I uh, started 
training and then coaching with Parkour Generations Boston that all of our indoor um, classes that we we don't have a gym here in Boston, but we have a bunch of spaces that we use through community centers and um, other spaces. And we bring in scaffolding and, and build our own uh, training spaces. Uh, and so as soon as I had scaffolding, I was like, oh, great, I can jump and climb and swing um, and find sort of a new movement style on all of this, um, which, which then, because a lot of what the other stuff I do outside of parkour is like making and building things. And I was like, great, I have this Lego set of jungle gyms mm. that I want to, you know, find, find movements in the ones that we have and then say like, okay, cool. I can do this movement on this shape device, uh, or, you know, or ob obstacle. What about this other movement? If I modify the obstacle slightly and, you know, so that's led me down a long rabbit hole of, I design a lot of our bigger setups uh, here in Boston now, and it's a lot of thinking about what weird spaces can I create to inspire movements. Um, and I think some of it has, as you said, like my my style of movement is not big impact or um, you know big jumps. It's just not what I particularly enjoy, and so I like finding small spaces and technical weird challenges and be like, Oh, I'm going to like twist myself in this awkward way and swing through this gap and over under through and however it works. So. I think there's sometimes, sometimes people, uh, there can be a contention about built spaces versus found spaces. And, and Nick's nodding along for those who can't see video, which is everybody. The, the, my original take on it was like, yeah, parkour should be done outside and, you know, you should have calluses from the brick walls. And then when I started having the opportunity first to like, you know, first they tease you, they, they bring built stuff and they put it outside. And then you're, you're like a, you're like a confused, like a confused dog. I'm like, wait, is it indoors or is it outdoors? Is this a built space or a found space? Well, technically I didn't build it. I just walked up to it. So it's a found space. You know? Eventually I just like shut up and go, you know, like, but I think there's a lot to be said for, and, and you were kind of hinting at how the built space and i don't mean architecture built i mean like you know we're building a purpose built parkour or movement or rt2 plus small free running space there's a lot to be said for that purpose built space enables humans to like make tools and toys that light up other people's creativity and playground designers are going yeah duh like we've been doing that for decades man that's what mm -hmm. playgrounds are for now all the people out you know we're all like yeah but could we have a playground that the adults could play on so i think there's a lot of creativity that you kind of glossed over there about like i've seen a few of your bar sets like i've <laughs> seen a lot of your bar sets you know and and they don't all look the same and he's like oh how many ways can you combine you know key clamps and size seven scat pipe schedule 40 with an occasional you know I haven't run out yet. <laughs> yeah, a lot, right? You know, and then I see you guys with little Tinker Toy models, and I'm just like, well, that's kind of crazy. But then, like, oh, yeah, I mean, you wouldn't want to spend 17 hours putting the thing together to find out, oh, I missed an elbow, you know? Yeah, so, I've done that. It's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> Ranch session. So I'm, so I'm just wondering, do you find that after people get exposed to that, um, you know, cause I know you, you coach a lot too, uh, and help train coaches. Do you find that like, I'm going to say the regular people, like regular people will come to a class. Yeah. It, it opens their curiosity and their creativity, 
But then do they kind of get bummed out when they go outside? And it's like, oh, well, in my neighborhood, all I have is a park bench and a curb. You know, like, are, are we kind of spoiling them? I mean, I know there's positives to it, but are we also kind of spoiling them because the in, uh, inside space is so awesome? Um, I, I think yes and no. And, and the reaction will change sort of the more time that people put in on it. Um, cause like we have, we have a particular, uh, space for our classes here in Boston. That's in a rock climbing gym. That is like the biggest permanent setup that we have. Um, and we've built it in different configurations over the years. Um, and because it's in a rock climbing gym, it's got really tall ceilings. So we build it really tall. Damn um, tall. And, yes. Like and, been on uh, top, like, well, shit, this is high. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's one of those things that when people who have never trained before or never taken a class come to their first time and they'll be very intimidated by it because they walk in and, and that your eye is immediately drawn up the thing <laughs> to be like, there's a platform 10 or 14 feet off the ground. What, what's that for? And it's like, well, it's not for you on your first day and that's fine. Right. Um, but, and, and there's one of the things that I struggle with as a person who designs these spaces is the, like the density of obstacles. Um, because mm-hmm. the biggest difference I find between training in these built indoor spaces versus I also coach regularly outside and those, you know, found outdoor spaces is the density in that I can train on an indoor space and do move after move after move, taking zero steps in between and having infinite options of which direction I could go every time I put a hand or a foot down. Uh, Whereas outside, it could be argued that you still have infinite options of movement on flat ground um, or, or open space. You don't have infinite options of what obstacles you can interact with mm. at that moment. Whereas when I'm in a big bar set, I can, you know, land somewhere and probably be able to go up, down, left, right, backwards in seven different ways. I could swing, jump, crawl, climb, slide, any of those things. Whereas if I'm outside, you know, I vault over a wall. If I'm lucky, there's another wall there. But more often than not, I've jumped over the one wall and then I've got to take a couple running steps to get to um, whatever that next obstacle is. And like there are certainly spaces out there that, you know, we we tend to go towards that are have that density of obstacles. Because, right. uh, you know, as as we all like to joke that parkour is running, jumping and climbing, but we all hate running, neglect climbing and love <laughs> jumping. <laughs> oh, busted. I, I think there's a you, you're making a great point there about maybe one of the things that I love the most about going to events is the, is the trekking part of it. You know, now, now if you go to the same event over and over, you start to know the places and, you know, we're going to this spot, you know, the names for things, oh, we're going to scoops or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I think there's, even then, I, I don't know what we're doing when I get to, you know, the classic handicap ramps over on this street or what like i don't know what the coach is going to want to do but there's Mm -hmm. just something fun about moving from place to place you know with just the equipment that you come you know like i got legs and i got arms and we're going from a to b and even when it's just we're really just walking or maybe it's a light jog you still you still get the feeling of moving um and because you are moving and, and you get the feeling of going and discovering and that's the thing that i think 
I miss if I train in gyms too often. Like if I, well, I'm going to go every Wednesday and every Tuesday and I'm going to train all the time. Then it's like, oh yes, I'm here again. You know, I'm in this space and yes, I could get a workout. Um, but there's just something magical about the openness of being outdoors and moving forward through spaces. Yeah. And I mean, I think there's something about, you know, how often those spaces get changed up and how they get changed up. Um, cause I know like here in, in our classes, we, you know, there's some of the obstacles are movable and they can be shifted around and, and even moving things a little bit can create a whole hmm. series of new challenges. But I mean, I, I totally appreciate the, the idea of the, the outdoor classes. I, I teach a class every Wednesday here in Boston that meets in Harvard square and it is unique among all of our outdoor classes in that we meet at a spot. We meet at the same spot every week. We warm up at that spot every week. And then the end of the warm up is a 10 or 15 minute jog to somewhere within a mile mm. of that spot. Um, and so every week, my same class is, you know, right. spreading out and, and finding all these different variety of spots. Um, and I, I think that is like, that is my favorite class to coach that I've been doing. I've been coaching that class for seven or eight years now, um, every Wednesday, but, um, just having that variety of like, and even seven years later, I'm still finding new little mini spots within, you know, a mile of that same starting spot. And like, it's one of those things that we like to joke about, like, um as as parkour people like oh you know we're jumping on big concrete structures like they're not going to change but in in somewhere like harvard square that's like a busy like there's you know yeah, the university is always dense. building new stuff like stuff gets torn down and things get built up um like you you've saw last year at, at american rendezvous here in in september that the somerville high school that was our main spot got torn <laughs> the down they, gone. <laughs> they rebuilt the whole thing and the spots completely changed yeah. And so as much as we like to say like, oh yeah, these like concrete structures that we train on are, are permanent as we, we like to think of them and those jumps will always be there. Sometimes they go away and yeah, but then I hopefully mean, we get new fun stuff in the, in its place. Yeah. Well, I think it's, you're right. It's fun by definition. Like the discovery part of it makes it fun. You, you know, the discovery, not so not even just for the coach, but the discovery for the student who shows up on their first day, you know, you take them to that same spot and like, yeah, we've been there a thousand times. And then this person shows up and does something and you're like, I've never done that before. <laughs> like right. there's always discovery, even in the same space, because somebody who's two inches shorter or taller or wider or longer or faster or whatever, um, they see different things. <clears throat> that yeah, I think is so, the, the beauty. Go ahead. So, so on that point, so the other workshop I'm teaching this weekend, which this, this one's actually the way they've set it up, this one's for kids, but if any adults are there and hear this and want to talk to me about it, I had offered stoop. to run it as an adult workshop, but they ran out of <laughs> schedule space. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I'm running a workshop. This one's focused for kids called building roots without a plan. Um, and what I mean by that is um, I feel like a lot of focus is put into picking out your line and your route and practicing parts mm -hmm. of the movements and get everything to flow like as perfectly as possible, which is super fun and totally a valid way to train and definitely a thing I do. Um, but I like to think of um, the idea of improvisation in parkour in sort of two different lenses. And so that's, that's sort of one lens of like, what is this space going to inspire me to do? And I'm going to pick, pick and choose my perfect movements and put them together as well as possible. And that's still improvisation in reaction to the space, but there's also just like 
reactionary improvisation. Like you're running full speed, you come around the corner, you have no idea what's there. And it's just like, go, you're, you know, moving to whatever is in front of you. Um, and so I'll, I'll be doing this sort of series of games along that line of like, here's a space that you haven't had time to get familiar with and you're just going to move through it um, and, you know, figure out whatever happens. And it's not going to be the perfect, cleanest, best moves you ever done. Um, but it's still fun and very educational and like really helps you work on your footwork because you'll find out real quick, like <laughs> what moves you're going to sort of default to as comfortable mm -hmm. and easy. And you're like, you know, you come around the corner and quickly be like, oh man, that looks like if I had 10 minutes to prep it, I could like dive Kong that. But... <laughs> Everything turns into a step fault. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, but the other side of that is, so there's some like, you know, sort of blind finding space, but there's also, um, I have this series of games where you're sort of working through someone else's eyes. So you, you can work with a partner and have a partner following you. And your partner has a couple different ways of sort of telling you what to do as you go through this space. And just like you were saying, when like new person comes to a spot that you've been to for a hundred years uh, and like does this thing, like I've never seen that idea before. It's cool to sort of have that in real time of two people going through a space together. One person, you know, interpreting some vague instructions another person be like, Oh yeah, try Did you look mm -hmm. at going over there? Did you, had you thought about doing this movement here? Um, and just sort of pushing you to, to interpret that space in ways that you wouldn't have and be like, yeah, I, I never would have tried to do, you know, a dive roll over under through whatever this funky space is, but I took my time and I, you know, made it work and, you know, and you might come out and be like, yep. And I still wouldn't do a dive roll through there. Nope. <laughs> yeah, right. But, There's uh, an interesting interaction, isn't there, about when you put people, especially if they don't know each other, if you put people together in a space, you know, and like, as I do, I have imposter syndrome at all times. If somebody you're like, well, all right, but I have imposter syndrome, but I can still move while being an imposter. So I go in and I do something and then somebody else goes, huh, I've, that's, you know, maybe not that's awesome, but that's interesting. I had never thought of that. Then so it sort of validates, it validates your own creativity. And then that like the, everybody doing that, that feeds on each other. Like one person then says, oh, well, if they're willing to go in there and try something that they thought was silly, but I thought it was cool, maybe my silly thing would be cool to this other person. And then it, you get this virtuous feedback loop happening. And, um, you know, you can kind of construct that by, well, we're going to go to an indoor space where it's safe and nobody can see you and all this stuff. But then once they get it outside, it, it sort of changes how they look at movement, um, which leads us in a great big, lovely circle all the way back to that's kind of like play. And yeah. I, I sort of asked you, uh, you know, I said, well, you know, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I say movement? And you were kind of like, well, sort of play. And then I asked, you know, how long have you thought about it that way? Like, can you remember when you were doing things, but you wouldn't have answered play, but you would have said other things. And there's some like a, a coherence or a focus that I think everybody gets it, but you clearly have gotten it about, <laughs> yeah, it's play. And I'm just wondering if you remember what it was like when you were playing, but didn't realize that's what you were doing. Like what, what were those things that you were doing that you would not say, yeah, I was playing, but you wouldn't have said play back then. I mean, like, so I've sort of been, you know, jumping around in, in ways like that my entire life through, like, rollerblading on ramps and mountain biking and, and uh, you know, Google jumping stilts if you want a weird rabbit hole to follow <laughs> down on the internet. Um, but, uh, but 
you know, it had like, I wasn't particularly introspective about my movement at that point. I think once I got into coaching and both being able to like watch other people move and, and help, help improve them. And then now doing a little bit of coaching coaches, mm-hmm. um, it's even more so of like thinking about why, why you're doing some of these things and, and not even necessarily why you're doing it, but how it affects how, how even thinking about what you're doing affects what you're doing. Whereas just like, you know, 15 years ago, it was like, I just want to jump over this cool thing. Or just like, I just mm-hmm. want to do a backflip or I want to, you know, launch off this ramp, whatever it is. And like get that cool, satisfying feeling of flying through the air. Um, but then taking the time to step back and be like, well, you know, if I'm analyzing wh- why I'm, you know, why do I want to jump over that? And, you know, where's, what other ways can I do it? And, and what can I bring to other people or what, what can other people's ideas about, you know, this same space bring to me. Um, and it's just, it's just a, a more sort of complicated way of like hanging out with your friends and playing with blocks when we were a little kid. Like, <laughs> We're, put, we're putting the blocks together, but we're just building really weird, strange blocks. Yeah. Blocks for blocks sake. <laughs> All right, Nick, as much as I hate to say it, every time I go to say it, I will just say, and of course, the final question, three words to describe your practice. Uh, here we are again. Um, I, <laughs> uh, I think, so I, I've just sort of had, um, had this sort of kicking around for a while that I think it just comes down to uh, move, make, and learn. And I've bounced back and forth between learn and teach, um, but I think learn is is the right way to go because I always want to be learning. Uh, and if, if people also learn from me, then great. Um, but as long as I keep bringing in new ideas and new things, then hopefully just by doing stuff, I will put those ideas back out into the world. (laughs) Terrific. As I say often, because I mean it. Well, Nick, thank you so much for taking the time today. It was a wonderful, I'm going to say walk down memory lane, like awesome. Great to see you again. I'm excited to see you this weekend. I hope the feeling is mutual. So I will just say thanks for taking the time, Nick. All right. Thanks, Craig. Yeah. I'm looking forward to having longer form conversations this weekend. (laughs) 